the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, WWTC, Minneapolis, St. Paul, FM 107.5, K298CO, Minneapolis. 20 years of intelligent talk. With SRN News, I'm Ron DeRockstra. The Biden administration says the recent gas crunch on parts of the East Coast will soon be over. Over the past few days, gas shortages spread from the greater Washington, D.C. area to southern states after a ransomware cyber attack forced a shutdown of the nation's largest gasoline pipeline. White House spokeswoman Jen Psaki says the pipeline is now ramping up to full service. It will take a few days to fully return to normal. We urge people in affected regions to only buy the gas they need. The administration has cautioned against panic buying and the hoarding of gasoline. Greg Clugston. Washington. Meanwhile, AAA reporting the nationwide average for a price of regular at a gallon is three dollars and four cents. North Carolina, it's two ninety-two. Maryland, three oh five, and New Jersey drivers are being charged three dollars seven cents a gallon on average. This is SRN News. Larry Elder here, proud and thankful to be broadcasting on this station because you guys have kept it real for two decades. I love this station. I've been on AM 1280 for 20 years, and happy anniversary to everyone up there in Minnesota. I'm proud to be part of the team, AM 1280, The Patriot. Happy 20th anniversary. Thanks for sticking with us through the last 20. Here's to 20 more. AM 1280, The Patriot, Intelligent Radio. Just a little bit after 2 p.m. here at AM 1280, The Patriot. My name is Brian, and for the weather today, it's going to be a high of 72 degrees and mostly sunny. Are you a loved one, a veteran? Perhaps you serve your community as an EMT, fighter fighter, police officer, or nurse. If so, we'd like to honor you and your country by inviting you on air to recite the Pledge of Allegiance. You can volunteer by calling Mike at 651-289-4418. The Daily Pledge is made possible thanks to the support of White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick, GMC. on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. This is the Northern Alliance Radio Network, the longest-running conservative talk show in the Twin Cities. It's great to be back in Minnesota today. Political analysis of the good, the bad, and the outright crazy. Now, here's your headline act, Mitch Bird. Welcome back, Twin Cities and World. It's the wind beneath the right wing. The shining spot of red in the sea of dismal, dingy, institutional blue, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. Going on 18 years of dominating Twin Cities weekend media, which, let's be honest, means dominating all Twin Cities media, because what do you have going on during the day? You've got weather, you've got sports, you've got happy talk, and you've got national headlines repackaged for, hey, how does this affect Minnesota? This is where the action is. Myself, Brad Carlson, the closer edition. I'm Mitch Berg, of course, the headliner edition. Brad, tomorrow from 1 to 3, and almost every Sunday from 1 to 3 here on AM 12A, The Patriot. King Banyan on our sister station, AM 1440, The Businessman, uh, bringing you the best economics show in the world anywhere, ever, in all of history, uh, every Saturday morning from 9 to 11 uh, on AM uh, 1440, The Businessman. Together, we've been the Northern Alliance Radio Network for a long time long time and we plan on keeping it going for a long long time as well so i mentioned in the first hour one of the things that annoys the bejeebers out of me is trying to pathologize political behavior trying to turn observations about other people's political behavior and political beliefs into pathologies into pop psychology references that you can pretend are treatable which is comical on the one hand and harkens back to the soviet union on another hand here and so i disclaim right now the idea that we that this upcoming segment or two is has nothing to do with diagnosing people but is all about observing patterns of behavior and how those patterns harm people and with us to do that someone who observes patterns of behavior uh for a, a bit of a living 
and a life, to be honest. Uh, longtime friend of this broadcast, uh, one-time blogger, and, uh, and, and good friend of, of yours truly, Sean Holster joins us. Sean, welcome to the broadcast. Why, thank you, Mitch. Glad to be here. Great, great to have you here. Now, let's just set our bona fides up front here. You work in the business, but we are not doing anything here in a clinical or, for that matter, uh, in any other official capacity whatsoever. No, not in any official capacity whatsoever. I am what is called a certified peer recovery specialist. I am not a therapist. I am not a counselor. I am not a sponsor, nor am I a priest. I am in a position in a nebulous in-between, a universal crack filler, if you will. It's, uh, that's as good a description as I've heard. I cannot keep up with the acronym soup in that field in the, in the therapeutic right. trades. No, so. it's, it can be difficult. It can. So I, I, this, and, and you brought up the idea of discussing some of the behavioral aspects, uh, observations about the health or lack thereof of some of the behaviors we see in some of our dominant, I was going to say political, but really social movements of the day here, the ones that they get all the headlines, woke culture, uh, critical race, the, uh, the, the culture of critical race theory. And, and it's it's and there's some interesting observations to be made there. I, and I've been making some of them for some time. You certainly have some pointed and trenchant ones here. Uh, first of all, I want to just set this a bit up here. Mm-hmm. Pathologizing people you disagree with is a, a low blow. It's an ad hominem. It bastardizes so even social science, something that is hard to, 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 to bastardize. But you, you see this all the time. First of all, references to toxic masculinity, which basically is an attempt to, to assign an ad hominem to all men uh, to, to basically undercut the idea of being male as being separate for, and, and different and uh, from female and having some nobility in its own way. The idea of trying to ascribe all masculinity, uh, toxicity to all masculinity, which happens, uh, is is a noxious, noxious trend. Also, the idea of pathologizing, one of my terms that I detest the most of all is whiteness. It's uh, something right. that's become something of, a, of, a, of an ad hoc uh, diagnosis in recent years. I detest that sort of pathologizing the opposition. So we're not going to do that here today, Sean. I'm glad we are not going to do that because right. um, one of the things that I get particularly prickly about is the phrase uh, liberalism is a mental disorder. Bingo. I, yep. I, I, I don't care for that. I get a little prickly about that. I will say that, however, that the American leftist worldview that is being foisted upon our culture in the form of critical race theory, intersectionalism, uh, the manifesto of Black Lives Matter, um, it is emotionally unhealthy. Not necessarily the individuals that join these organizations. I think they're very well-intentioned individuals. They're Mm -hmm. compassionate. uh, They have heart. They want to make a difference. But those who spearhead these organizations and the academics that are putting these ideas forth to recruit people to join their, air quote, movement uh, are taking advantage and uh, peddling a very toxic emotionalism. How so? I mean, how how describe uh, from not a clinical perspective, but from your observations, how these worldviews are emotionally unhealthy, how they they stunt perhaps people's growth? Well, I I come at this from the field of uh, mental illness and chemical dependency and behavioral health. Um, I'm kind of low on the the food chain in that field, but it is my job to observe, to um, actively listen to motivationally interview. And uh, in my two hats, one being in behavioral health, the other being in civic involvement as the the chair of House District 63B for the GOP and uh, Ward 12, voter Ward 12 in Minneapolis, um, I can't help but see political and emotional crossovers and on the emotional side what what contemporary american leftism f- promotes from what i can see is a sort of dark emotionalism it they are appeals to envy appeals to resentment uh the demand for reparations when i hear demand for reparations i hear a demand for vengeance yeah it's it's calling itself reparations only in 
a manipulation of historical context. Yeah. And 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 just for, as a matter of personal mental health, I'm not, as a matter of personal emotional adjustment, I mean, there's terms. And I don't know them because I, I took psychology 101 and I hated it and I, and I kept my distance for the last right. several decades. But but there, there's there's terms for people who hang on, not just hang on to old traumas, but adopt other people's traumas as their own and and froth and and feel hurt for things that 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 are not theirs to feel hurt over necessarily uh, and that's that's something we're seeing a fair amount of in our society where you have plush bottom upper middle class white kids wrapping themselves in guilt that they they have only the most tenuous connection to right and there there's somewhat of a term for that it's uh when when you're addressing uh guilt anger resentment it's called trauma informed care okay right and what what i see when i look at the cultural and political views is an infliction of of guilt of anger of resentment for instances and events that may not have happened to that person right but, you know, like the 1619 Project. Okay. You know, it's, yes. okay, you have suffered a cultural trauma. If you didn't know, if you were perfectly happy before, did you know you suffered a 400-year-old cultural trauma? And why, why is it your civic duty to take on a cultural trauma? And and lest you think that that's idle chatter, I mean, it's interesting to look at Gallup polls over the past 33 years. In 1988, Gallup did a poll of African-Americans, and they asked a, a, rep, a, a large representative sample of African-Americans in the late 1980s, a, a good generation and a half ago at this point. How big of an effect does racism have in your life? How important of a factor uh, has racism been in your walk through life? And roughly 33% mentioned some aspect of racism impacting them. Now, time passed. And in 2000, I believe it was 2014 or 2015, after seven years of the first African-American president, well, mm. second if you count Bill Clinton, mm -hmm. uh, they did a similar poll, basically the same poll. They asked a similar sampling of society. And over the course of 30-odd years, close to 30 years, where society marched onward, we had a black president, we had uh, African-Americans at practically every point in the cabinet and go governing states and, and running cities. CEOs, CFOs, CEOs, CFOs heads of industry, heads of entertainment. I mean, the, the, richest, managers. the richest woman in America was an African-American woman by, by a good stretch. The percentage of African-Americans who felt some racism as a dispositive factor in their life doubled to over 60% in 30 years. Now, is it reasonable to expect that, that racism actually got worse over the course of those nearly, you know, I think, 27, 28 years? Or has there been some sort of emotional emotional state foisted upon? Well, I, you know, from, from my perspective there, A, I, I think it's worth mentioning that I'm in an interracial marriage for the last 15 to 15 years, right. relationship 17 years. Yep. Um, try telling my black wife that something gets in her way of what she wants and see how far that gets you. Right. You know, that her race or her gender has stood in the way of her success or lack thereof. Yeah, I won't. It's, and, and that polling data, uh, I would present the theory, and it's just a theory, is that these problems have been instigated from on an organizational level. Let's, let's just take critical race theory let's. Uh, as, a, as a fine example of that. Critical race theory, where did it come from? It's a legal construct. It was developed as a legal construct at Harvard and Columbia University. Look at any of the purveyors of this, any of the, the originators of critical race theory. It originated from critical legal theory as a means of disrupting the current system of law, of governance, of social and political operations. It very clearly states it. it this is not conspiracy theory. This is not conjecture. Right. The, the literature is there. It's, it's openly available. Yeah. Um, 
And it it makes me wonder, okay, how hard were they laughing in 1989 in the, in the break room at Columbia, in the professor break room at Columbia University? It's... Yeah, they, they were laughing, and yet we have an entire generation of people of all races and creeds in this country who have been made, who've had their their health, their well-being affected and affected badly by this. And we'll talk about that and much more when we come back. By the way, if you have questions for my, uh, myself or Sean Holster, give us a call, 651-289-4488. You can also join us on Twitter or MeWe or Gab at hashtag NarnShow. That's N-A-R-N Show. Any social media you're near, that's where we are. Go nowhere. Northern Alliance, AM 1280, The Patriot. Whoa. Look at all these options. You can fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream The Patriot. Top shelf choices include am1280thepatriot.com, our free app, and radio.com. Shortly after college, my friend Amy and I began dreaming of a place for adults and children with developmental disabilities to experience nature. A place where they could connect with community and have meaningful work through farming. 21 Roots Farm is home to a variety of farm animals. Cows, donkeys, alpacas, goats, and chickens. An apple orchard and a vegetable garden. Through high-quality nature and agriculture-based programs, people of all ages with developmental disabilities can experience the wonders of agriculture and literally eat the fruits of their labor. By fostering connections that are rooted in real life, we provide opportunities, resources, and support that encourages all people to tend to their gifts and harvest their full potential. Check out our summer programs and other opportunities to get involved at 21rootsfarm.org. There's something for everyone. Visit 21rootsfarm.org to find your place on the farm. Dreams can come true at 21rootsfarm.org. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com. Call 800-500-8384. relieffactor.com. Are you the principal or leader of a Christian or Catholic school? Would you like to fill the empty seats in your classrooms for no cash out of pocket? TwinCitiesTuitions.com would like to team up with you on our tuition program for first-year students. You'll be part of a marketing campaign to raise awareness about your school and gain new students for next year and beyond. Again, at no cash investment for your school. Get details by logging on to TwinCitiesTuitions.com. That's TwinCitiesTuitions.com. Take your favorite Patriot hosts with you wherever you go by downloading our app. Listen to your favorite shows, see our social media posts, enter exclusive contests, and more. Just search for AM 1280 The Patriot in the App Store. AM 1280 The Patriot. The Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488. Hey, don't forget the May Book of the Month from Regnery Books is The Cost of My Faith, How a Decision in My Cake Shop Took Me to the Supreme Court by Jack Phillips. Uh, Why not just bake the cake, they said. Well, the book explains the most celebrated civil rights case on the Christian right in recent years. Uh, Check it out from Regnery Publishing, which, by the way, is a division of Salem Media Group. 
That's our May Book of the Month. Go to AM1280, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. I am Mitch Berg. Brad Carlson coming up tomorrow from 1 to 3. Talking uh, this hour uh, with Sean Holster, who uh, works in the mental health business. And after a year of pandemic, business is certainly good. Well, we'll talk. Uh, and I say that uh, tongue in cheek, but uh, it certainly is busy. I have a number of other people in the therapeutic professions who are seeing a land office business these days. And that's not, all, that's not entirely a good thing, uh, as we all know. But uh, we'll work with what we got with. So when we left, Sean Holster. Yes. We were talking about uh, critical race theory and its uh, red-headed stepchild cousin, the uh, intersectionality and the effect that that has on people's states of mind. You had an observation from on that. my observation. Yes. From my observation, is that intersectionalism or the concept of intersectionalism is a tool of emotional manipulators on a political and social level. Yes, uh, because. Um, it forces people it, – it, it's an appeal to a dark emotionalism. Yes. Have you ever noticed that uh, when, when someone is speaking of intersectionality, they're intersecting all of their uh, self-inflicted – what they perceive as stigmas about themselves or their weaknesses? Oh, I am this. Oh, I am that. I am diminished. I am another. I am otherized. I am handicapped in some physical, emotional, or other manner. Right. And you never intersect. There's never an intersection of one's strengths. Right. Of self uh, self-preservation, perseverance, humility, uh, forgiveness, uh, or the capacity thereof. Yes. What, um, what appeals to me and one aspect of the field that I'm in is called uh, strength-based therapies. And approaches to recovery. Yeah, and that's, that's it, it's, it's something that hadn't even occurred to me until just now as you were describing this, how, how intersectionality, which is, is a, a key tenet of the woke religion, a religion yes. that is much yes. like the ancient Aztecs and having no concept of forgiveness and, and entirely about eating literally or figuratively its own. Uh, but the fundamental difference in, in philosophies between the intersectionals and, and the race and the critical race theorists and the other allied uh, pathology, I don't call them pathologists, but mm. systems are looking at the world versus, I guess, what I would describe myself and a lot of my fellow idealistic, ideological, conservative libertarians, which is focusing on, on the the wonderful things and strengths that Western civilization and, and the Western small L liberal mindset have brought to the world, which are strengths, which are blessings to be doled out to people. And, One could and even call them virtues. Virtues, yes, bingo, a virtue-based system. Admitting mistakes have been made, that that, that evil has been done in, on occasion, but that we, like a health, emotionally healthy person, try to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, learn from our mistakes, and move on to live a better life, which, although I'm not in the therapeutic profession, strikes me as a fairly emotionally healthy response to life's vicissitudes. Well, I don't, I don't think it takes one uh, working all day, every day with the mentally ill, chemically dependent, and otherwise um, behaviorally challenged. Challenged, yeah. Um, be whatever, whatever form that takes. Uh, to observe while your neighborhood is burning down. <laughs> that you're dealing with a bunch of people with a lack of impulse control. Yes, for one, uh, I, I mean you don't you don't burn down a city block with you know, after a, a fair amount of contemplation and reasoned awareness. Yeah, um, it, it 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 keeps. I always go back to that uh, what I now call a rancid bumper sticker. If you're not angry, you're not paying attention. If oh, you're not outraged, yeah. you're not paying attention. Yeah. Well, maybe if you're not outraged. You've developed an adult skill set of coping mechanisms and reason to <laughs> go about a response to any any traumatic event or perceived wrong against you. And that is a brilliant way of putting it. I'm going to need a wider car to get it onto a sticker, <laughs> uh, which desperately needs to happen. I've some, some, I got to find a way to take that concept down well, here. And, and, and I will even deal it into, okay, intersectionalism. It's, yes. a, it's a collection of uh, victim mindsets. Yes. And I will, I will refer to the 14 traits of an adult child from, taken from adult children of alcoholics. Okay. The, the organization itself. It's, it's number five. That And this is an indicator of uh, unhealthy emotionalism, is that we live life from the viewpoint of victims 
and we are attracted by that weakness in our love and friendship relationships. Wow. So, yeah. Okay, so let's let's run with that idea here. So we have a, a people who we observe uh, seem to have a worldview that's built on that's built around uh, exalting. I was going to say fetishizing. That's a little too clinical for my purposes here, our purposes mm-hmm. here. But certainly exalting and focusing on hurt, on 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 on, on pain, on on victimization. Uh, and certainly, the, there are parallels in the in the in the therapeutic world to this. And in the world of therapy, what what happens when a person builds their entire life over a long period of time around the hurts they've suffered, on the the pain they've they, they've felt, on 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 the wrongs that people have committed to them, real or or imagined, or not even even them necessarily? I mean, what what happens to a person individually uh, over time if if this becomes the water in which they swim? They usually end up drinking a lot or eating a lot of pills or taking, you know, that's that is living an existence of perpetual pain. And then if 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 you are living in nothing but pain, be it physical, mental, emotional, and I keep underlying underlining emotional, uh, you are going to look for an escape hatch. You are going to look for an escape route. And often that comes in the form of chemicals. It comes in the form of pornography. Pornography is a big oh, yeah. um, addiction in and of itself. I also see it. At, one, one of the first questions I ask clients is, uh, because I primarily work with a male population, right. is, okay, how much porn are you consuming? Right. And that leads to kind of, okay, it's not liberalism, but permissiveness in, in the culture. Okay, you can, it, it's this laissez-faire attitude towards behavioral patterns. Libertinism, I think. Libertinism, li- yeah. Jason Lewis yeah, used to refer Eat to as it. much as you want, um, as much sexual gratification as you want. I ask him about porn specifically because what, what are you doing when you're absorbing porn? A, you're escaping, yep. and B, you are deriving pleasure, a dopamine hit, from right. the debasement of others and the abasement of yourself so right. all, all at once. Let's talk about, since you mentioned dopamine and we're talking addiction here, and dopamine is certainly an addictive right. substance that, that is the ultimate artisanal high. I mean, you create it yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, this one I've observed lately myself. Now, as I mentioned in the first hour, I, uh, I wrote a post back before, all the science came out about how we don't need masks anymore as of yesterday mm-hmm. uh, because science uh, about how basically people need to start keeping track of which businesses were or were not going to be requiring masks. And after July 1st, the plan was no more masks. I mean, if I got a vaccine, I've got natural immunity, boom, I'm going to go back and start living life. And I observed there's a website out there. It's a Google map app. Mm-hmm. where people are able to say, you know, this business does or does not require masks. And there are people out there who apparently are wandering up and down the streets reporting on the mask status, the lack of mask status of, of the individual businesses up and down Snelling Avenue, for example. They're apparently patrolling, looking to snitch on people who aren't masks, uh, who aren't requiring masks and, and staff who aren't wearing them. And it's almost as if, they're 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 so addicted to the fear that has come out of this past year and 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 expressing that fear is its own form of dopamine hit and it is its own form of addiction isn't it? i mean it, some have called it fear porn and i think there's a it's a, it's almost an apt description well but i would yeah that's i would i would think that that's somewhat accurate uh fear porn um Addiction to fear, uh, addiction to it's an appeal to authority. And okay. I mean, I, I see behavior like that. And I mean, it, it it doesn't take any sort of experience to say, you know, dude, maybe find a different hobby or something. Find a more productive use of your time. You're you're wallowing in dysfunction. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, you're you're wallowing in dysfunction. I yeah. mean, you are enjoying dis- dysfunction. I mean, I'll I'll even take it back to the riots once again. Yeah, is it has because I was not locked down right. at any point in since the begin of the dread Rona. Right. I, I mean, I'm I'm working in facilities. Right. Just plain and simple. 
And I, and I don't think, and this is just personal opinion and from developed from witnessing everything going on, driving the mean streets of St. Paul and uh, Minneapolis and, uh, for this last year and talking to people who lived in various proximities to this. I really don't think that the riots of South Minneapolis were really all that political. I know that's a very strange thing to say. I think it was addiction to excitement. Yeah. Uh, it was um, more of a mob, men- a tribal mentality, a tribal lashing out of and, and release. Yeah, a, I, I'm with you. By the way, coming up on a break Dystopian here, Disneyland. Exactly. And I, by the way, as I walked past the, the drugstore that got burned down a couple blocks down from my house uh, while the windows were getting broken out, I saw a bunch of little little white boys in a, in a very suburban-looking crossover jumping out with the little masks over their face and the little Che Guevara attitudes. And you could tell this is the most <laughs> excitement they had in weeks. 651-289-4488, Northern Alliance Radio Network. Join us, won't you please? We'll be right back. Haiti 180 is a not-for-profit organization that helps the poorest of the poor in Haiti. Haiti 180's orphanage, nursing homes, school, and amazing medical facility are just one aspect of the work they do. Haiti 180 is dedicated to Catholic evangelization and education. The mission's goal is not just to feed the hungry, clothe the naked, and visit the lonely, but to help foster future leaders of the faith for Haiti. This organization has had over 2,000 volunteers come serve and to be the hands and feet of Christ, working closely with the poor. Leadership training and retreats while on mission are also offered through Haiti 180. Join the Team 180 campaign. Team 180 members donate $15 per month or more, or an annual donation of $180 or more. You'll get information, a picture, and bio of one of the children of the orphanage. To join and make a true difference in the lives of God's poorest of the poor, visit Haiti180.com. That's Haiti and the numbers 180.com. Your donations are tax deductible. Thank you and God bless. Hi, this is Matthew with the Kingdom Builders. I've been thinking lately about the biblical principle of headship. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 3 says, But I want you to understand that the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. One way to think about headship or authority is like an umbrella. If you're under a good authority figure, it's like standing under an umbrella during the rain. It's your job to stand under the umbrella, and it's the umbrella's job to protect you from the rain. Biblical authority is like a good umbrella. It won't leak or move, and it provides shelter. Our job as believers is to submit to biblical authority figures God has placed in our life, as long as it doesn't go against God's Word. Here at the Kingdom Builders, we don't sell umbrellas, but we do install shingle roofs. If you have a roofing need or want to talk about God's Word, please give us a call at 612-900-9166 or look us up at thekingdombuilders.com. Now that spring is here, your windshield may be exposed to a few more uh, hazards. So trust your repairs to Advantage Auto Glass. Hi, John Wichko here, owner of Advantage Auto Glass. I'd like to invite you to finally get that chipped or cracked windshield fixed right the first time. You root for your home team, so why not trust your windshield to your hometown repair shop, Advantage Auto Glass. So give us a call today at 952-423-6396 and we'll replace your windshield with only the highest quality parts and adhesives. Or if you call your agent or your claims line first, make sure you tell them you want to work with Advantage Auto Glass and no one else. Call Advantage Auto Glass today at 952-423-6396. And don't forget, you can schedule your appointment on our website at ReplaceMyWindshield.com. That's ReplaceMyWindshield.com. AM 1280, The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, 651-289-4488, the number to call should you care to join us, and we'd love it if you did. By the way, we're also reachable on Twitter via hashtag NarnShow, that's N-A-R-N Show. And by the way, that's the same hashtag you can use on Gab.com, which is like Twitter for people who aren't communists, or on MeWe, which is like Facebook for people who aren't, you know, Maoists. 
And, of course, uh, Facebook. We are streaming live at our uh, Northern Alliance Radio Network uh, Facebook fan page. And I'm doing it there just until MeWe comes up with a native video option or I figure out how to make it work on some other video platform. So this is uh, what you get when you try to take that pig and put on it, uh, as Paul Westerberg said, on the pig. Northern Alliance, AM 1280, The Patriot, talking with Sean Holster. And what one term we've been talking about uh, the bastardization of vast swaths of science of language of of of, of a culture and society is is kind of a theme of the whole show to, uh, here today and one of the terms that you comment about having been debased about being devalued and, and really polluted by this current uh, current uh, outlook on life that has become so dominant in our society is the debasement of the term justice. That's been a pet peeve of mine that I haven't really been able to put into words. I'm going to trust that you can, Sean. Uh, yes, I can, actually. Um, okay. Um, restorative justice, transformative oh, yeah. justice, oh, boy. social justice. Yeah. Um, and as you read into the available literature by these organizations, it's social revenge. Yeah, it okay. It is social vengeance. Yes. Um, I mean, it, Catholics have had the concept of social justice for about 2,000 years now. It's in the catechism. Right. right? You know, um, respect for the human person, dignity, uh, equality, and, differ- in, and differences among men, and human solidarity. The value and nobility of the individual, which is something that is almost unique to Western, or was almost unique to Western civilization, which is inextricable from Judeo-Christianity and that tradition, right? And, and it's something that's never existed before and is being pushed aside among the the people we're talking about. Well, and I can tell you right now is that, um, okay, this push that the individual is responsible to the community first, um, the the standard collectivist ideal, the standard communist ideal, the standard Maoist ideal. Right. Um, if, If you look at it in terms of addiction, you can, an addict is never going to get better if they are doing it for someone else. Right. They cannot do it for a spouse. They cannot do it for their children. They cannot do it for their family, their employer, or society as a whole. They must first decide for themselves that they are going to change. Yeah. It is, uh, a, a therapist once said to me, my therapist, because, you know, the first qualification of this job that I have is to take your butt to rehab. Right. <laughs> and go through treatment <laughs> yourself. Yes. Uh, that's step one. Um, so I know from where I came. Right. Um, the, one of the most valuable things a therapist ever said to me was that uh, being an addict is the second most selfish thing you can do. Being in recovery is the first most selfish thing you can do because it is by necessity. Right. You have to disregard anyone and everyone else and everything else and concentrate on you, your place, and your emergence from darkness. Yeah. Uh, it is not a collective process. It, it is, is not. not. Yeah. It is a deeply personal process. It is a uh, very individual process. No two addicts are the same. Does there not are, take a village. There are no there are no silver bullets. If you're right. if you're claiming you have a silver bullet, you're werewolf hunting. Yeah. And werewolves aren't real. <laughs> that's right. So uh, uh, and that's that's what personally um, and I carry this on to clients, is that there is no one way. There is no right way. There is no institutional way. Uh, yeah. You pick and choose. You pick, take a little bit from here, a little bit from there, and you retrofit it to your needs. Right. Because your needs aren't going to be your roommate's needs. Your roommate in treatment is going to have a very separate set of recovery needs and remedies for the various aspects of their either mental state or their their specific chemical dependency. Yeah. Now we've seen. Yeah. No. And that that's that's an excellent insight right there. I mean, the whole idea that that it, it, emotional dysfunction can be very very collective, but recovery from it is entirely personal. And that's something I hadn't even thought about there. But one one of the things I have been harping on since really before the 2016 election 
something that's been an ongoing theme of mine. And it's, again, it's a set of observations. I'm not qualified to diagnose anyone, uh, anyone at all. But Nor am I. Fair enough. Fair, and, and neither of us will. But the observations and the, the parallels, I think, are powerful. There is an arg- article, and I, I will point out that I've had to spend some time in my life dealing with the effects of people with various personality disorders. One that's gotten overused terribly by an awful lot of amateur psychiatrists being uh, narcissism, narcissistic personality disorder. Nonetheless, and, and it's become the pop culture diagnosis du jour ever since the Trump years when suddenly everyone was qualified to call uh, Orange Man a narcissist, right? Mm. It, was, it was everyone's easy, easy, uh, easy one. To, but on the other hand, I've, I've run into this in various corners of my personal life and have had to try to help some people learn how to cope with this in other parts of, of their various personal lives. And as an article that came out in a website called Thought Catalog years ago, a, few, a number of years back, probably in 2000, uh, 2015, it's been updated continuously since then. But uh, basically, the 20 diversion tactics, highly manipulative narcissists, sociopaths, and psychopaths use to silence you. And while I would not dream of calling anybody's movement or anybody uh, at all uh, victims of a mental disorder, the parallels are kind of amazing. And, and I think you ran into quite a number of them uh, in your beginning your political life uh, with your with your wife, Diane. Uh, why, yes. Why, yeah. Yes. And, and, the, and the 20 symptoms, I mean, 20 tactics, are, I mean, the gaslighting that is involved, the whole idea that I mean, some some of these things that 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 the intersectional critical race crowd leads with. It's like, yeah, you, you can't possibly, uh, you're getting gaslit about, about what it is you really think, what it is you really believe, what is really in the pit of your, of your soul. Right. And that is, well, it's, it's a behavior that you are placing your emotions on your perceptions into another person. Yeah. And, and you don't get to do that. Right. You don't get to determine what others motives are and yet it is a cultural standard by which this entire movement seems together just deciding what it is entire swaths of society really think no matter what it is that that they actually believe uh, what it is they say they know better than you what it is you really think what exactly exists in the core of your heart right and you know there's there's a lot of parallels there and what um what I noticed and what Diane noticed early on is uh, you want to lose friends fast is run a black woman for, as a Republican for oh, political yeah. office. Yes. Uh, for public office. Yeah. Um, because you are immediately guilty through association with the entire party and anyone and everyone and the worst elements of that political party. If yeah. you don't disavow that. I mean, it's it, it's a catch 22 for a conservative. Yeah. You know, and uh, but it's it's funny how that never works in the other direction. Never ever. And by the way, it's it, it, further proof. By the way, I think that satire is probably the the highest form of journalism in our day and age. Uh, one of the series of twenty odd laws of human behavior that I've written over the last eighteen years. Uh, Berg's Eighth Law of Diversity started out as all Berg's laws as mm. a bit of parody, as a bit of satire. And of course, it is it has the force of psychological law, American progressivism's reaction to one of their constituents, women, gays, people of color, or in the case of, of, of your spouse, uh, a, a, a woman of color, mm-hmm. uh, running for office or otherwise identifying as a conservative or, or leaving progressivism is indistinguishable from, from a sociopathic disorder. I mean, it just, and I've heard this from women, female conservatives, gay conservatives, uh, you and you and Diane, uh, the the response that you get, is, uh, put a put on a face shield. You're about to get hit with a lot of projection. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, which is Berg's seventh a, law. A lot of messy projection. Yeah, which is by the way Berg's seventh law. The law before if they if they if they attack your character or your morality, like likely they're doing to to. to to draw attention and deflect away from much of the same on their own part. Again, it's satire. It's not science. It's not therapy. Right, but right. It, it, it just it, it they have turned about to be way too accurate for my personal comfort, uh, Sean Holster. Yeah. Oh, it, it, far too accurate. So far too accurate. We we have to we we're as people in a conservative movement, and I we need to wrap this up here uh, with this here, but. Mm-hmm. we've observed a lot of things about society. You work in the therapeutic profession. Most of us in the sound of my voice do not. But 
we have to learn how to cope with these I don't want to say pathologies, but these behaviors, these 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 ways of looking at the world and behaving behaving based on those patterns and habits. How do we, the people within the sound of, of my voice, who have to try to make a silk purse out of the sow's ear that these the, these views have left us? How do what, what do you recommend from your perspective on on trying to? deal with this trying to trying to intervene uh, with the rest of society uh a um i would say be careful how you intervene right uh, that intervention is a very delicate process yes and uh b um uh i had somebody ask me the other day what am i going to do to cure addiction <laughs> and uh i'm like well i'm not <laughs> right. <laughs> You're asking me to cure the human condition. Yes. Because it's it it is what it is. Um recognize the human condition for what it is, take a breath and take a step back and assess what's going on. Uh to um my my number one bit of advice or my one experience number one experiential aspect is never lead with emotion. Okay. Always detach yourself from it. Um I I cannot afford professionally to introduce emotionalism into dealing with my caseload, dealing with my clients, dealing with anyone with either an addiction or mental illness uh, problem. And that is so hard sometimes because I've had to deal with this with with various parties who have come at at me with the intersectional. I've responded with fact. I've I've kept it as remorselessly cold and calculating as I am on the air. Well, it's... I am professionally forced to compartmentalize. Right. For example, uh, before getting into this field, I had to ask myself the question and others as well, can you work with sexual offenders? Can you work with child molesters? Right. Um, And the answer has to be yes. No matter how abhorrent I find pedophiles or sexual offenders or sexual violent sexual crimes. Yeah. If that it is my job to get them out of active addiction. And I will say that for myself, part of my ability to detach my personal feelings against pedophilia or sexual assault is that I want them as sober as humanly possible when they face judgment. Yeah. For those abhorrent Activities. Which brings us to the adjective clinical. You really do have to approach it clinically in a, in a lot of respects, and hard as that can be. And and uh, believe me, I, there are aspects of our society that, that make me emotional, and it is hard to remain clinical in that sense of the term. Sean, we are up against a break. We have to uh, move along here. We have to do this again sometime. Absolutely. Thanks, uh, Sean Hoster, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we'll do this again. Questions, comments, 651-289-4488. When we come back, one more segment, which means, really, the fun is still just beginning when you get down to it. It's one big glob of fun, indivisible with justice in the classic sense of the term for all. What is he talking about? I don't know. We'll be back. Northern Alliance, AM 1280, The Patriot. AM 1280, The Patriot. Limitless access to intelligent talk. Stream AM 1280, The Patriot with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities, but serve worldwide. Well, I moved into the house in uh, the summer of 2018, and the siding was terrible. Hi, I'm Dave from Matamidai. I got a hold of JTR through friends. It almost looked like a giraffe. There were dark stains where the water had saturated the old paint that was on it, but there were other things that needed addressing, and uh, there were a multitude of things from putting doors in and railings and and doing some electrical and things like that, all of which JTR gladly folded into the contract and took care of for me. It was an amazing transformation. In fact, my brother-in-law, who had visited before we had the siding done, when he came back about a month after it had been done, he stopped out in front of the house and called me and said, what's your address again? Because he couldn't believe the difference. Contact JTR Roofing now for your siding, roofing, and window needs. 
Okay, we are running a car drive right now to help veterans all across America. So if you have an old car, truck, or van, even a motorcycle or an RV sitting around, you can right now give it away and help the vets. They really need your help. And your car will help support the vets and their families. And guess what? You even get a tax donation. Plus, we'll even come and pick up your car for free. And all you've got to do is pick up your phone right now and make a free call. Now is the perfect time to do something something good for the vets. Give back to the vets right now for all they've done for this country. And your old car can really help them. So call the Veterans Car Donation Program right now for free pickup of your vehicle. Help the vets and help your taxes at the same time. Call right now. 800-884-9018. 800-884-9018. That's 800-884-9018. Get that Rack Shack attack. Rack Shack barbecue. Pick it up or take it out. Rack to or rackshackdelivery.com. It's so easy. Hey, you've been working hard. Half the staff is gone and your crew needs a lift. Go to Rack for pickup or rackshackdelivery.com and we'll bring it out to you. It's America's food and the right thing to do. Get that Rack Shack attack. Rack Shack barbecue. You can listen to AM 1280 The Patriot on all Amazon Echo devices. Simply ask Alexa to play The Patriot Minneapolis, and you'll hear your favorite hosts. This is Dennis Prager, and thanks for listening to me on your Alexa device. AM 1280 The Patriot, the Northern Alliance Radio Network. 651-289-4488 is the number to call. Should you care to join me? And it would be awesome if you did because that's why we're here. We're a talk show, not a uh, not, not just a you sit and listen show. That's uh, that's what makes it fun here, folks. 651-289-4488, the number to call. And I mentioned, uh, I made reference to Berg's Law, Berg's Seventh Law. Uh, in the previous segment here, of course, it is projecting, projecting all the time. Always be projecting. That is what Big Left does. That's hence uh, why Berg's Seventh Law is not called Berg's Seventh Bit of Satirical Suggestion. It's a law. And you can see its results all around us. And I, 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 could, I couldn't help but think this as I was listening to National Public Radio, which has become basically a Democratic Party opposition uh, PR shop. I thought this as I was uh, as I was listening to the the confusion going on among the nation's governors and frankly, the mayors of Minneapolis and St. Paul, who, because of science, uh, kept their mask mandates going on in both of the Twin Cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul. That's right. Even as Governor Klink abruptly, shall we say, abolished the mask mandate statewide, uh, mayors Fry and Carter kept it up, kept uh, requiring masks in the uh, in the state of uh, in in the, both of the cities, Minneapolis and St. Paul. And you might want and I thought, you know, the 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 Biden administration is clearly the victim of a no good, very, very bad day. Uh, they've had a very, very, very bad week, and basically this entire move on on masks that happened in the second half of the week was a matter of the Biden administration deflecting away from the very lousy week that it had. And, and, and by the way, it's going to continue to have. And I thought to myself, something is not right. Well, I mean, something is right. Yay, they're 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 getting out of the mask mandating business so this is good but there's there's got to be something else to this there's another shoe that's going to drop if there i mean the mask man you can only release the mask mandates one time right i mean it's possible who knows another pandemic comes up or another wave comes up and people could start mandating masks again who knows i doubt it because we have enough masked people i sorry enough vaccinated people out there and enough people frankly with natural immunity where i don't i think this pandemic is over i think the science indicates that we're in that general ballpark here at this point where it's it's unless you're extremely vulnerable and haven't been vaccinated yet probably pretty safe so I thought this is kind of like the dopamine shots that Sean was talking about during our, our previous segment here. This was a shot of deflection 
that you get to take once if you're the president, that you get to take once if you're Governor Clink, that you get, I'm sorry, what? I called him Governor Clink. I'm sorry. It's Governor Waltz. You only get to declare an end to the mask mandate one time. It's It loses its effect after that. But the effects of the policies of President Harris's first 100 days are not temporary. They are long, despite their wishful thinking, or I, I let's be honest, they don't think this. They're just hoping that Democratic voters are are. are uncritical enough a bunch of thinkers to to take them seriously Uh, because they did say in as many words yesterday uh, the the economic problems are short-term things that will go away soon and 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 no it's not true the 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 economic stagnation brought about by the government's response to the pandemic which had its deflationary aspects for a bit last year those are temporary and they're going away the inflation that we have in the price of gasoline, in the price of lumber, in the price of groceries, uh, which has led to a 4% inflation rate over the course of this past quarter, which is the highest inflation rate, I kid you not, since I was in high school during the near hyperinflation of the Carter years, that's not going anywhere, as long as we're talking multi-trillion dollar stimuli on top of huge budgets, it's not going anywhere. The administration is going to need to come up with another deflection, much as the captain in the movie Jaws was going to need another boat. The first boat was had gotten splintered by the great white shark. The president's deflection has been used. They're going to need another deflection. And I thought, what's it going to be? And if I could have bet money, I would have bet a shiny new quarter on my best guess of what that deflection was going to be. And yup, sure enough, the on National Public Radio News last night came the news that the Department of Homeland Security is warning Americans of a renewed danger of terrorism springing from from what? From the fact that people can gather outdoors again. And by the way, when we talk about terrorism, we're not talking about Al-Qaeda or ISIS uh, blowing people up, crashing planes into buildings, uh, suicide bombers, mass shooters like the, the, the California mass shooter of 2014, him, who him and his spouse were acting on behalf of ISIS, or Nidal, Nidal Hassan, who killed 14 at Fort Hood, Texas, as part of jihad. No, no, of course, the United Inevitable, it's going to be white supremacist terror. The boogeyman that never dies, that has been held out there for close to 15 years now as a boogeyman to keep people going with that sense of fear that helps keep people in line. Of course, that's what they're warning us against. It's gaslighting. It's projecting. It's deflecting away from their failures that are ongoing right now. Stay tuned for much more as we continue. Northern Alliance, AM 12A, The Patriot. Thanks for tuning in. God bless you all. God bless America. Tell me why Relief Factor is so successful in lowering or eliminating pain. I'm often asked that question. Pete and Seth Talbot, the father and son founders of Relief Factor, tell me they believe our bodies were designed to heal. That's right, designed to heal, and now I agree. The doctors who formulated Relief Factor for Pete and Seth selected the four best ingredients, 100% drug-free ingredients that each help your body deal with inflammation. That's correct. Each of the four ingredients deal with inflammation on a different metabolic pathway. That right there. Approaching your pain from four different angles may very well be why so many Americans find such wonderful pain relief. If you have back pain, shoulder, neck, hip, knee, or foot pain from exercise or even just getting older, you must order the three-week quick start now. Discount it to only nineteen ninety-five to see if it will work for you too. I think it could. Give your body what it needs to heal itself. Go to relieffactor.com, call 800-500-8384, relieffactor.com. Warning, warning. Warning. 
Once you taste the Rack Shack's Patriot Burger, other burgers will never measure up. Hey, I'm Nick Anderson, General Manager of AM1280 The Patriot, and we've partnered with my friend Keith Hitner Sr. from the Rack Shack Barbecue to create a burger worthy of the Patriot name. It's a half-pound burger that's red, white, and blue through and through. American cheese on top, and the American flag proudly waves over the bun. The Patriot Burger comes with your choice of any of our delectable sides, like our famous hand-cut fries, all just for $12.80. Best burger in town as far as I'm concerned, and it's $12.80 anytime, any day. Try today at the Rack Shack Barbecue at the Cedar Cliff Center at Nichols and Cliff in Egan. Be careful. Once you try a Patriot Burger, you may never go back to a regular burger. That's the Rack Shack Barbecue at RackShackBarbecue.com. Get that Rack Shack attack. Rack Shack Barbecue. Ooh, 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 yeah. On a bitter December morning, Shelby went to a Twin Cities abortion clinic, planning to get abortion pills to end her pregnancy. A young mom of a three-year-old daughter, Shelby didn't see how she could parent another child by herself. But when she got there, she saw the Alpha Women's Center Mobile Medical Clinic parked nearby. This is Annie with Alpha Women's Center, a pro-life Christian ministry in the Southwest Metro. We operate a mobile ultrasound unit that we call the Miracle Machine. Shelby left the abortion clinic that day and came on the mobile unit instead. When she saw her baby on the ultrasound, she changed her mind and chose life. Alpha Women's Center has been offering help and hope to women like Shelby since 1982, and we're the only mobile pregnancy center in Minnesota. We go where women are, serving in five locations. Our mobile clinic is staffed by licensed medical professionals who offer best practice care at no cost. We're entirely donor-funded by pro-life people like you. To learn more or support our ministry, visit us at miraclemachinemn.com.